Radio. Faith, hope, love and life. You're listening to The Journey. G'day everyone. Thanks for tuning into The Journey once again. Well, isn't it starting to chill down a bit? It's getting a bit picker-chilly mm. as we head into mid-autumn, but I hope you're somewhere nice and warm as you listen into the show today. And I tell you what, someone who's nice and warm because he's rugged up and he's right next to me is my mate Jude. Jude, how's your week been? Good, mate. Good. And I am very warm and rugged up because it's been uh, it's been a bit chilly down here in the in the Illawarra region. And uh, been busy though. Had a had a really exciting week. We've been getting uh, ready. A group of us from a variety of churches getting ready for a, a prayer breakfast that we've got coming up in the Gong. We had uh, we had a couple hundred people there last year. The first time the event was held, and we're expecting more this year. Um, and it's it's just a chance for people from all of the different churches to come together and have a morning of prayer and to celebrate with a with a breakfast together. We've got a guest speaker coming along who's the Honourable Kevin Andrews, a man of faith himself and and responsible for. for so many of those wonderful services that the government provides for the needy and, and families in need in particular. So can't wait for that event, that's for sure. Anyway, mate, what have you been up to? Well, I tell you what, I got to travel a bit since we've last spoken. Yeah. Up north, went as far as Woolgoolga, beautiful little town near Grafton. Yeah, I know Woolgoolga, it's a beautiful, great spot. Very nice indeed. Yep. And as far south as the Murray River, Howlong, Mulwala, Yarrawonga, mm-hmm. Daniloquin. Mate, so I've had a, a great week or so. Well, we've got a few listeners down around there, so you're, you're in their territory, you're in their country. That's good, mate. Well, they're from a nice part of the world. Now, Dave, we've got a, a really top-notch show lined up this week, and uh, I'm really keen to hear some more of the great music that Rachel's picked out for us this week. It's always always good stuff Rachel yeah. pulls out for us. And the inputs from all of our fantastic presenters, but in particular, really keen to hear from Sam Clear again. He's one of our newest presenters, and um, his messages in the last few weeks have been fantastic. And for our new listeners, Sam's a guy who walked around the world for Christian Unity. I mean, he, he did that a few years ago, and it's great to have him on the journey so regularly. Just talking about Christian Unity and his experience is in that amazing walk around the world. Very interesting young man indeed. Now, first up, we're going to hear from Father Graham with this week's Gospel Reflection for the fourth Sunday of the Easter season. And he's going to be giving us a message about a reading from the Gospel of John, chapter 10. Here's this week's Reflection on the Gospel. The image of God as shepherd of his people was not unknown to the people of the Old Testament. The 23rd Psalm is probably the best known in the Psalter. The Lord is my shepherd, there is nothing I shall want. A sheep with its shepherd is a striping image of what almost everybody hopes to get from religion, a basic security and sense of well-being. Our modern image of a shepherd with a flock of a thousand sheep seems so impersonal. What does it matter if one is lost? But not in Jesus' time. The flock was the shepherd's livelihood, And because sheep were often kept for shearing rather than for eating, the sheep were with their shepherd for a long time. So he knew them by name. Woolly, fluffy, lamb chops. It was not uncommon for the village flocks to be kept overnight in the one pen. But the sheep would answer only to their own shepherd. Jesus applies this language to himself. He is the good shepherd, keeping guard over each one of us. Often during the night, the shepherd would guard his sheep by lying across the entrance to the fold as a sort of human gate. Jesus claims he is the gate as well. We come to the Father only through him. The personal nature of Jesus' shepherding was experienced by Mary Magdalene on Easter morning. 
in the garden, she heard that most personal word, her own name, Mary, called by the risen shepherd. And she responded by naming him, my master. He knows my name. And he'll keep calling it until I enter eternity. I'm Father Graham from St. Columkill's Parish at Coromel. Together on the journey, faith, hope and love for life in all its fullness. Here's Sister Hilda with Wisdom from the Abbey. I saw the funniest thing the other day. Our home, like many others, knows a plague of ants from time to time. I went to make a cuppa, and as I opened the clear plastic sugar container, I saw a single small black ant dive across the white sugar, hide itself down the side of the clear plastic container, and then become totally motionless. The impression that it made was that if it didn't move, then I wouldn't notice it was there. But you see, it couldn't burrow, so it was pretty much on the top of the sugar anyway. I saw my little friend and I laughed. If ants had any power of reason, then how on earth did this little being think I would not see it? Its black form standing out in sharp contrast to its surrounds. I picked it up on a sugar-loaded teaspoon and put it outside to take its chances with the elements. It occurred to me that we are so often like that ant... We think God doesn't see us. We sometimes think we are too insignificant for God to pay attention to us. After all, who are we? Just average people who go about our lives falling down and getting up again. We don't see ourselves as anything spectacular, not in any way. And yet we are as obvious to God as my little black friend in the white sugar was to me. There is no escaping his eyes of love. Sometimes you and I do something we're ashamed of and we hope he doesn't see us. And we forget that his eye of compassion seeks us out and wants nothing more than to pick us up and lift us out of our misery. We think, because perhaps we don't talk to him as much as we ought to, that he hasn't gotten used to hearing from us and that we're now off his radar. And so, of course, he doesn't see us. We forget that he comes to the clear plastic container of our life, lifts the lid and hopes that today we just might crawl across to him. There's something else, really. If we do let him into our lives, if we do talk to him, ask him things, be on familiar terms with him as he wants us to be, then he will become the black ant in our lives, and we will always notice him, even when he is still. And seeing him there at every turn will make all the difference. I wonder where you'll see him this week. I wonder where he'll see you. You're listening to The Journey. We just heard from Sister Hilda Scott with her wisdom from the Abbey and a great little reflection on the ant. And before that, we heard from Father Graham Schmitzer. Good message, Dave. Yeah, absolutely, Jude. Now, Father Dave, he's based out at Coromel. That's in the north of the Illawarra. Yeah. Tell you what, I really love the insights he brings to the gospel reflections each week, Jude. Yeah, I get up there to Coromel pretty regularly, Dave, and um, he's a good preacher. He's always got some fantastic insights. So, yeah, great to have Father Graham on the journey so regularly. You're listening to The Journey with Dave and Dodsey from the Catholic Diocese of Wollongong on cradio.org.au. And now it's time for Milk and Honey with Trish McCarthy. In World War II England... The story was told of children who had to vacate their homes due to the fighting. The children have a difficult time sleeping at night 
fearing for their lives. To ease their anxiety, each was given a piece of bread to comfort them, and the children were able to sleep, knowing with bread in hand they would have food for that day and the next too. The authors of the book Sleeping with Bread expand this idea to show how the things in our own lives, those things which sustain us, comfort us one day and give us hope for the next. The idea of a daily examine is simple. First, take a moment to acknowledge the presence of God. Light a candle, a time of silence, and a simple prayer. Next, ask yourself, for what am I most grateful for this day? And allow your mind to wander over the past day. Thirdly, ask yourself, for what am I least grateful for this day? And allow yourself to feel each moment and what it might be saying to you. Finally, identify one thing you would like to act on in the coming day and ask God to help you to fulfill this. You can finish up thanking God with some simple words of gratitude. This process helps us to get in touch spiritually with our physical experiences of life, using our emotions and experiences to link and discover God's presence and purpose for our lives. This is one way we can develop the gift of discernment in our life through our life-giving and life-taking moments. God is there in our midst, guiding our hearts. Together on the journey, faith, hope and love for life in all its fullness. Now Dave, we need to let our, our growing number of listeners know right around the country about a big event coming up in August this year called Proclaim 2014. Yep. It's being run by the Australian Catholic Bishops Conference and organised by the National Office for Evangelisation. That's right, Jude. The theme is Living the Joy of the Gospel in Parishes. Mm. Now, it's going to run from the 21st up until the 23rd of August. Keynote speakers, Father Michael White and also Tom Corcoran, who are authors of the book Rebuilt, which was all about reawakening the faithful. Great thing indeed. Reaching the Lost and Making Church Matter. I know, Jude, you've had a read, haven't you? Yeah, I have read it. And I think I mentioned this uh, a couple of weeks ago on the journey to when we were talking about this. It's a fantastic book, bestseller right around the world. And it's how um, in this Catholic parish they they went to school and and really learnt from, had great dialogue with, with a whole lot of different denominations in the United States of America and then brought that back to their own parish and absolutely transform it and uh, there's many many lessons to be learnt from it and that's that's why they're bringing them out here to to Australia. Well it goes without saying Jude the conference sounds absolutely brilliant. I know we'll be attending to make sure we get the chance to interview as many of the speakers as we can from right around the world. So if you want more info or you'd like to attend it'll be held at the concourse in Chatswood from the 21st to the 23rd of August and call 1300-4-FAITH, that's 1300-4-FAITH, for more details. Jude, I don't know about you, but recently I've had a number of people ask me about the canonizations of Pope John XXIII mm. and Pope John Paul II. It was televised globally. I'm sure you got to see it. Yeah, yeah, I, I have too, mate. And and it's surprising. Actually, it's been really nice to have some people from different denominations come up and talk to you about it and say, oh, I saw this on TV and what was it all about? And it seems like it was a really big celebration of the Catholic Church. And it certainly was. It's the first time in, I think, well, it would be ever that you've had officially a Pope and a former Pope because yeah. Benedict XVI was there too, installing two fairly recent Popes for... As saints, essentially, as as lives that are great examples for for all Christian people to just follow. And uh, look, from my perspective, as someone who's really passionate about ecumenism, and that's why we're doing this show on on Christian radio in various places around the country. It was great from my perspective too to see John the Twenty Third being recognised in that way. Um, but also John Paul II. He's the Pope that, in my early years, and certainly growing up as you know, he's the 
Pope that I remember. And uh, I actually I actually met him once, Dave. When I say met him, I remember singing in a choir in 19, uh, I think it was 1987, um, out at the Sydney Cricket Ground when he came to his first visit to Australia. And as he was passing through the crowd, he was giving different people hugs. I got a hug, mate. From <laughs> I got a hug from a saint now. Really? You know? But uh, we use that word saint in, in the church as recognising people with, with lives that really are worth uh, just, just looking at and going, well, we've got a lot to learn from that. Jude Hennessy, you got a hug from John Paul II. That's it, mate. I did. <laughs> Absolutely. Hard to believe, isn't it? Very much so. Now I've heard everything. <laughs> You're listening to The Journey on cradio.org.au. Here are the missionaries of God's love with The Call. Imagine for a moment that you, as a good Christian person, are trying to care for a sick person in, in your neighbourhood. Every day you take a bowl of soup to them and they speak great praise of you every time you come. They thank you, they they tell you how appreciative they are. You're naturally going to feel valued and you'll want to come back the next day and give them more soup, more food. Yet imagine one day you turn up, they take the soup out of your hands and then they pick up a shoe and throw it at you. They start swearing and cursing you, telling you to keep coming back the next day with more food, but making it very clear that you'll never receive any thanks for what you're doing. How long will this have to happen before you give up on on helping them? Before you realise that there are other people who are in more need who are going to show more appreciation? It's a natural thing of how we operate as human beings. One of the great writers of the church, Catherine of Siena, describes this as being mercenary love. Just as a mercenary is a paid soldier who only fights for what they're going to gain. She says that this way of love is not true love at all. I'm only loving because of what I'm going to get back, whether it's a smile, a thank you, or praise. As soon as that thanksgiving dries up, my love dries up as well. She suggests to us that true love is when we keep going back, no matter how many times this person throws their shoes at us, no matter how often they curse us. Because that is what Christ did. That even when we were killing him upon the cross... Even when the whole of humanity rejected him, he continued to love. He loved when there was no benefit, when there was nothing in return. That is the call of Christ. That is what it means to follow the invitation of Jesus. I'm Father Dave Callahan from the Missionaries of God's Love. Find out more about us at mglpriestsandbrothers.org. You're listening to The Journey, music, interviews and wisdom for living life to the full. Now with their tips for vibrant marriages and family life, here's Byron and Francine Parola with Smart Loving. Hi, we're Byron and Francine Parola from Smart Loving, and today we're talking about marrying young. I had a call recently from a priest who had just interviewed an engaged couple who we thought was very young. As he went on, it became apparent that this couple had some good things going for them. They didn't want to live together and they were growing in their faith. He was rediscovering his faith actually through her. Eventually I asked what their ages were. 23 and 25. Oh my goodness. We didn't fess up that I was 21 on our wedding day. It's well known that the age of first marriage has been rising now and is around 28 for women and 30 for men. So it does beg the question, what does the evidence tell us about the optimum age for marriage? Well, the stats show that the teenage marriage, that is less than 20, is associated with a higher incidence of divorce. 
They also show that marrying later than your mid-twenties doesn't reduce your risk of divorce. Why would this be? Here's our take. We all know that maturity does not always correlate with age, but by about 20, most of us are mature enough to discern whether to marry someone. However, what then happens is the longer that a couple is in relationship before marriage, the more likely that this relationship will become a cohabitating one. Cohabitation is a well-documented risk factor for later divorce because couples tend to slide into the marriage through a phenomenon called commitment creep. As their relationship becomes more entangled with shared resources and social networks, it becomes harder to break up. So long-time cohabitating couples risk end up marrying not because they decide that they are ready to commit their lives to each other, but rather because breaking up is just too complex or painful. That's not a great basis for a life commitment. So, is our young, engaged couple too young to marry? It turns out statistically that the early 20s is the optimum time to tie the knot. That doesn't mean that their marriage will be fail-proof, but it does mean that their priest can be reassured that their age is not a reason for concern. We're Byron and Francine Parola. For more tips on relationships, visit smartloving.org. The Journey with Dodzy and Dave. It's great to hear from Byron and Francine Parola with their tips for vibrant marriages mm. in their very popular Smart Loving segment. Yeah, they're a great couple, Byron and Francine, and uh, they really care about marriage and uh, and want people in this country to just have the best chance of having the best marriage they possibly can. So always really good to have them on the journey. Also in there, Jude, was Father Dave Callahan with his segment, The Call. Remind us of the story of the MGLs, Jude. Well, mate, they're the newest uh, recognised order. In fact, they're the first recognised order of Australian born and bred priests. And they're, they're well, Father Dave's based in Canberra. And, uh, and they've got a lot of young men coming to join them with a real passion for being missionaries in this Western culture of ours that needs to know so much about God's love. So uh, he's a fantastic fellow, Father Dave. He's so awesome. Yeah, good to have him on the show. And he's great. young people love him. He's just such a good operator and, and yeah, great speaker. Coming up, one of our regulars, Sam Clear, with his segment, Walking the Walk. Faith, hope, love and life. You're on the journey. You're listening to The Journey with Dave and Dodsey from the Catholic Diocese of Wollongong on cradio.org.au. Walking the Walk, here's Sam Clear. Hi, I'm Sam Clear for Walking the Walk. I recently travelled in a small twin-prop aircraft from Sydney to Albury for a speaking engagement. When we hit severe turbulence after takeoff, the pale-faced passengers were holding on for dear life. But two kids sitting up the front rode those dips with raucous laughter. Without too much fuss, those children had placed incredible trust in the pilot and the engineers who'd built that plane. And so those turbulence-induced dips were nothing more than a fun addition to the flight, not a worrying disturbance. What is it that changes our perspective during life's turbulent times? Back in 2008, while walking around the world for Christian unity, two drunken Russians attacked me. They attempted to beat me up, and in doing so, they snapped my carbon fibre walking poles and ripped the top strap off my backpack. I defended myself by grabbing them around their throats and locking my elbows out. I literally had a Russian in both hands. They then began clawing at my hands though, and not having cut their fingernails in a while, well, they did some damage. Eventually, I was able to bring them together with a thud and ran off down the road. It could have just been a cool story to tell my mates when I got home, 
But here's the twist. Just before I was set upon, I was praying about and meditating on the passion of Christ, specifically his docility before his aggressors. I couldn't do it. I could not remain docile before my aggressors and let them take everything. Now I had every right to defend myself, but for the first time in my life, I realized that Jesus did too. He didn't just have the right though, he also had the might, but he remained docile. A fight in the snow on the side of a Russian road became an invaluable lesson in humility and the incredible love of God. Prayer in everyday moments changes our perspective. Prayer in church, at work, even while fighting off two drunken Russians. Prayer lifts our gaze from ourselves to our eternal God, the ultimate engineer and pilot. I'm Sam Clear for Walking the Walk. For more on the walk around the world for unity, go to walkforone.com. Together on the journey, faith, hope and love for life in all its fullness. As promised, another great segment from Sam Clear. Mm. And that brings us to the end of another week. Thanks so much for tuning into the journey. Trust everyone's had a good start back into school around the country and make sure in this cooler weather you keep rugged up. Absolutely. And I encourage you to give us some feedback on our Facebook page. Just look for the Journey Catholic Radio in your search engine where you can follow the links to listen to past shows if you like or give us some feedback and have a chat to us via Facebook. Next week on the show, we'll be doing it all again. Great music, interviews, and inputs from our awesome presenters. I think we've got Marilyn Rodriguez back next week, Peter Gilmore, and also we'll be hearing from Trish McCarthy and Sister Hilda again too, which will be great. Another week down, Dave. Yep, and it's going to be a lot of fun next week as well. Mm. Faith, hope, love, and life. You've been listening to The Journey. The Journey is produced by the Catholic Diocese of Wollongong in cooperation with Pulse 94.1 and edited by Jude Hennessy and Daniel Hopper from the Office of the Bishop. Radio.org.au